0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Today we're going to talk about the leader. Excuse me. The church's response to cultural chaos. So as we've been studying the revolution that God is calling us to, we see that this is a serious thing if you haven't gotten that point so far i hope you get it and again if you've missed any of the portions of our series you can go back to our website you can check that out especially want you to get the uh the introduction to this so that you understand exactly what what we're after here but it's a serious thing we've talked about this being a war and it is it's a spiritual war and if we fail to think of this soberly and with great sincerity we are in danger of becoming a casualty in war it is the troop who does not keep his watch or use extreme caution or forgets his training that is often killed. If we as Christians forget what is at stake, we can make that fatal misstep and explode a man a landmine of lies. Following in the exact fo- footsteps of Jesus is the only safe course. Experts estimate that there is at least 110, this just blew my mind, 110 million landmines still scattered over 76 countries, they're still out there for some hapless soul to step on. How much more the lies, the traps, and the ambushes of our spiritual enemy awaiting the unsuspecting believer. So to survive, we have to face this battle head on, folks but certainly not alone. The greatest news today is that we have a committed leader, a man of passion with an, I was born for this mentality, and his name is Jesus. When he talks about being born for this, no one can say that more clearly than Jesus Christ himself. Amen? But to follow him into battle, it's very important that we know who he is and what he's about. Doubting his qualification and mission can lead to desertion and despair. People also often, excuse me, often misunderstand who Jesus was and is to see one side of him and then forget that he was a serious man on a serious mission. So I want to begin this morning by looking at Matthew chapter 10, 34 through 36, and a few other verses following. It says this, Do not suppose... This is Jesus speaking. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't, didn't, didn't when he was being brought into the world, didn't the angels say, you know, peace on earth, good will toward men? But Jesus is not necessarily contradicting the angels, but he's getting to tell us the reason why that peace is not necessarily going to come initially. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn. A man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So how does that fit? How does that connect? What is he talking about here? This is Jesus speaking. So we see that this battle that we're talking about, it makes sense in the context of spiritual warfare and, of course, what we see happen in the three years of ministry with Jesus. He was a catalyst for change. He brought in uncomfortable truth. And families began to scatter and change and transform. The hearts and the minds of people are now grappling with truth. And they're all making decisions. Each individual person is having to make a decision regarding what are they going to do with that truth. See, many times, in order to save what remains, now get this, in order to save what remains, families choose to change their doctrine in order to accommodate the threat. And you don't, I mean you've seen that in, in, in warfare too. That when a nation is being invaded, as a family you've got some choices to make. Do you fight? Or do you accommodate? A little history lesson. When Europe was being invaded by the Nazis, it took France, as we know, very quickly. But the French organized what was called a resistance. And they fought to the bloody end. <laughs> the Dutch, on the other hand, didn't do so much. And a lot of the people, especially women, in order to survive, had to do a, very, a lot of uncomfortable things. And unfortunately, after the war was over, there was a lot of anger over that. What will we do? when the war is brought upon us. And it's sad, because truth is lost when families do that, and often the whole family is set adrift. I see that more and more. It's amazing, Andrew and I were just talking the other day, and we connect with families. You know, Being in the ministry as many years as we have, and have, have traveled a little bit, and known some people, we try to keep up with the people that we poured into, people that grew up in the Lord with, only to find out that their family's been devastated, for one reason or another. Not sitting in judgment in any way, shape, or form, but just observing, praying for them. But also, as, as, as parents, we naturally look at that and say, okay, how can we avoid that, right? How can we avoid what took place there? Of course, I, I think that naturally as a pastor anyway. So we're we seeing, what, what I'm sharing with you <clears throat> is something observable, very much right now. Let's look at verse 38. <clears throat> sorry go ahead and clear your throat too i know i make you uncomfortable so just do it just go right on and do it clear it on out there all right sorry about that a little bit of drainage going on verse 38 whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me Jesus is going on now. He's talking about this warfare and he's pressing in even further. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life, and here's the the principle, the truth. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Mm. One of those kingdom truths again. The kingdom of the upside down. Where we see something that doesn't make sense to our natural proclivities, our our understanding of what we observe. Jesus, once again, bringing a revolutionary thought, truly a revolutionary thought, that to preserve ourselves in the light of what's going on in the culture, what everybody else is doing, where the fish are flowing downriver, Jesus is saying that's not necessarily a good sign. What he's saying is, look, and of course, he mentions the cross well before they've seen the cross. So they're scratching their head. What is did he talk about a cross? Well, they found out later what he was talking about. They say, look, I'm not necessarily saying you have to be crucified too, but it is going to be somewhat uncomfortable. There are going to be decisions you're going to have to make in order to embrace truth and a part of your life that is not necessarily going to make everybody in your family happy. That is not necessarily going to make the friends in your your family happy. Often, when we decide to follow a course that is for Jesus, we find ourselves alone. Learning to walk alone is a very critical part of being a Christian, I have found. So the footsteps of Jesus include something we're called to carry. Not a literal cross, of course, but the potential to suffer and sacrifice during these difficult choices. This is the way of the kingdom of God, my friends. If we trust God, then often what and who we love will be returned to us. We give it up. Yield it to God. But if we accommodate the lies, then much more will be lost. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. This is the message of Jesus. He was planning on proving it by allowing men to torture him and kill him even though he was innocent. So he didn't tell them, hey, you've got to pick up your cross and you've got you to cut against the grain. You need, when the world says one thing, then you need to follow God no matter what. He showed us. He said, my father has called me to die for all mankind naturally, anybody would say, well, I'm innocent. I've done nothing wrong. Why should I die for these bunch of bums? I mean, I'm sorry. Not you, of course. But I mean, that would be human nature, wouldn't it? What are you talking about? I've done nothing wrong. Why should I have to die? But Jesus, knowing, of course, being God, knowing and understanding that it was going to require, it says he went even beyond just saying, okay, whatever. He went on to say, It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and scorned its shame. It was for the joy. He looked ahead. He looked ahead at what was going to be accomplished as a result of the sacrifice and the endurance, enduring the the, uh, ridicule, the shame, all that took place. See, so he's asking us to do this, but like a great leader, as a great leader does, he's not, he's not asking us to do something that he himself didn't do. He did it. He led the way. And he says, now, if they persecuted me, they're per- going to persecute you. You're going to have to walk this journey in this life. It is a battle. It is a struggle. There will be times when we have to make those dis- difficult decisions. And to me, more than ever <laughs> in my lifetime, we're having to make them. The lines are being pretty drawn, pretty deep. Christian, what do you really believe? Or will you be washed away in this morass of theological confusion? And that's where it is. So who is Jesus? He is the leader of our revolution. We talked about what do you need in a revolution? Well, we needed a conflict. Well, we got that, spiritual warfare. We We needed... and we, now we need a leader. and We've got Jesus himself, who is, who is saying, look, follow me. So Jesus, when we talk about who is Jesus, let's clarify this. Jesus is the Son of God. We know this to be true. This is what the Bible tells us. He is God, and all things have been placed under his feet. So the Father said, look, what he's doing is going to, in, in, in the Father, kind of in his paraphrased paraphrase words, just saying, look, he's obeyed me, and he's earned it, and now I'm going to put everything under his feet. All things were mine, but now he is the supreme one to be worshipped. But let me point this out, who he is not, who, is, who Jesus is not. He's not a fictional character created by the Roman Catholic Church to control people. Well, that's one of those out there. When you study history or you go to Western Civ or you go to, they're going to present Jesus as a, a historical character. Mm. Some, in some cases, they, maybe, maybe he, he existed. You couldn't ignore Josephus' uh, Jewish history. I mean, it was pretty clear Jesus existed. But somebody go on and far. So he wasn't a Jew, just a Jewish prophet with a good heart, but somewhat delusional when it came to who he thought he was. Mm. Wasn't that either. He wasn't fiction. He wasn't an idiot. He was also not a teacher who was just paving the way for Islam. You know, the Quran teaches that Jesus did exist. And it's also encouraged in the Quran that we should listen to his prophetic words. That's interesting, isn't it? That's actually a very good uh, witnessing key when you're talking to someone in Islam is to say well I follow Jesus and you're well let's let's open up your Quran I'll show you right here your Quran says that Jesus was a was real and he was a prophet sent by God and that you should listen to his words have you ever listened to his words let's talk about that do you know what he said of himself no what did he say he said I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except through me Hmm, that makes for some lively conversation, won't it? And then finally, he wasn't just a good man whose message has been misunderstood and exaggerated over time. And that's a real popular one right there. They say, okay, okay, you got me on the historical thing. Okay, okay, he's mentioned in many different writings that were you know, current to that time. Uh, okay, so he existed. But you know what? You the church has just gotten his message way out of whack. And over the thousand years of time, as the epistles were written and rewritten, uh, you've exaggerated his message. He never thought of himself as being this, and all this. The, the well is spoiled with all of these little lies that are, str- you know, uh, strewn in the, the the message. But I will tell you this: in the iner- in speaking about the inerrancy of the scriptures. There is no document as ancient as the Bible that has been passed on generation to generation and and maintained its purity as the Bible. No other book, none. Not even the writings of the Greeks. And whenever they find something that's older, they open it up and say, wow, this story's wildly changed. Thank God for the Dead Sea Scrolls. We didn't have those, then they could still have the argument. But when they b- opened up the book of Isaiah, written during the time of Jesus, to find that they were word for word what we're reading today, pretty good, pretty awesome. So Jesus is God incarnate, incarnate. In other words, that God sent <clears throat> his son who pre existed in heaven down to the earth in the form of a baby who grew up among us. He is all man, he is all God. He's sent by the Father to redeem us from our sin and to restore our relationship to our creator. It's not just to make you a happier person. It's not just to come. He he didn't just come to save you from your sin and to purchase a place in heaven for you. It's so much more than that. So much more. The Father wants to be restored in personal relationship with you, but he also wants you to experience. And Jesus said this himself. He said, I want you to experience abundant life. Not just life, not just existing, but experiencing abundant life. What does that mean? A good life. A life full of joy. A life with victory. A life that is that, that when you, you breathe your last, you leave a legacy of the work of Christ in you, the miracle after miracle. Look, if you've come into this race late in the game, so many of us did, I mean, rarely have any of us born and and they come into the world and, you, you know, my kids were very much that way, but I certainly wasn't. I mean, the first song Meredith sang was Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, but shortly thereafter, Jesus loves me this I know, right? And now, you know, look what she's doing. But so many of us come into the game a little bit later. And we shouldn't look back at our past with shame. We should look at it as a challenge. Because how much Jesus saved us from. And now, what we can look forward to. And the thing that I love about the kingdom of God is that in an instant, God... Whoa, they're getting excited back there. Uh, (laughs) In an instant... God can bring, we can tarry, tarry, tarry. We can work, work, work. We can wait, wait, wait. And all of a sudden, in an instant, God can do a miracle and bring us into a place where he just pours out his blessing upon us. That's what he's here to do. That's what he's in us to do. That's what he wants to see us experience. When we look at John 3, 16 and 17, we know he's not come to condemn the world but to save it. And, you know, that's not a popular opinion in there in the world. Have you found that to be true? when you read the blogs, when, you, when you're out there, if you, if you talk to people, there's a lot of real misunderstanding about Christians. And of course, I mean, maybe it's because they ran into somebody that was rabid and, and was, was, was really defending the faith but being very unkind in doing so. But the, the prevailing feeling out there is that Christians are haters, that Christians, and that we represent a God who wants to just torch, just can't wait to torch this earth and throw into hell all those who deserve it. But that's not what the Bible tells us. What Jesus said was, look, I haven't come to condemn the world. I know that my coming has brought conflict. It's going to break. It's going to make families struggle. It's going to cause, there's going, to, he, was the, he said, you know, I'm the cornerstone. And, of course, boy, did he ever experience all of that immediately in his, in his ministry. The only ones who will be condemned will be those, now check this, Will be those who persist in refusing such a great love, such a great love, that in the end they'll be left in their sins, and sin must be judged. They will sadly receive the consequence that surely is awaiting those who refuse to reach for the salvation given to all mankind freely. Who is this? Jesus? He has all power. In John 13, verse 3, it says, knowing that all power has been given to him. He knew it very well. When he knew it, probably as a young boy, he's began to study the scripture, began to read in the book of Isaiah and, and Jeremiah, and began to to understand who he'd been called to be. And realized, hmm, wow, God is, is, is Doing something, that if I am the Son of the Living God, the Son of Man of Daniel, woo. And of course, we're going to talk about that later, what that means for us. But he has all power. He resisted Satan, he cast him out, which he said over and over again if you're looking for a sign or a wonder. Of course, the Pharisees are watching these demons come out and people flop on the floor, and all of a sudden they're free. Person walking who'd never walked in their life, person who was born blind. Now seeing, and they're saying, show us a sign. Man, those Pharisees were hard-headed dudes, huh? Well, we look at our own times, and kind of the same, isn't it? Cast him out, he saved people from the eternal grip of the enemy. He defeated him on the cross by rising from the dead. Made a public spectacle of Satan. For his very, to be able to walk among men and to say, to say to the disciples, hey, look at the holes in my hands, touch it. See the, the, the hole in my side. I am resurrected from the dead. I am alive. Death no longer has victory over those who follow me. Powerful stuff. And in, in, in that understanding alone, when we think about fear, we sang about not being afraid this morning. And I, I remember a wave came over me because of hearing of that young Christian singer that was killed down in Florida recently. Obviously, I start thinking of Meredith and things like that. And, you know, you, you, you fear. But then that's when we have to realize that, look, our lives, we don't belong to ourselves. And this life is not the only life. And that we're born and, and created for eternity. So he confronted those religious spirits and the demonic strongholds of the time. This is our Jesus. When we talk about a revolution, what I'm trying to do is give you a, a, a dossier you know, of a revolutionary. He goes even further as this revolutionary. He confronts the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. They were especially targets for Jesus to deal with their hypocrisy from the religion of man. If you look at Matthew chapter 23, Three, you see a very detailed rebuke where Jesus comes against them and says, you are a hypocrite here, 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 and here, and just tears them apart. No wonder they were so angry. Matter of fact, afterward, they said, they got alone and said, how can we kill this man? Because it's got to stop. Jesus didn't just condemn hypocrisy. He taught his followers how to live, didn't he? He didn't just say, hey, look, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. He said, no, let me show you how to live. And that's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your brother as yourself. And, of course, we'll study that. We'll study his message, his cause here in in our next segment. So he says, follow me into the breach. He's He's telling his followers, he's telling his disciples, look, this is what you're called to. I'm not going to accommodate what is taking place among us. I'm not going to accommodate what the Pharisees teach. He had to confront it. And you know what? To be honest, every one of us as believers, we have to come to that moment. We have to come to that, 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 that kairos moment in our life, that God moment when we have to stand up and say, I will not be a hypocrite. I will not fall into this religiosity. I will not live a life that is religious in its action, but in my heart is far from him. The church had to cope with that. And that's when Paul came out and said, look, in the last days, in the last days, this religious thing is gonna come back with a vengeance. And there'll be many who will call on my name and, I'll say, and he'll say, go away from me, I never knew you. And Paul tells, the 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 the, uh, uh, the church, he says. Look, in the last days, they will call upon me, and I will not come. He says they have this religious thing, but no real power, no real understanding, no truth. So he says, follow me into the breach, and that that's that break in the line that he has created for us. How? Well, he says, do not love your life, even unto death. Remember that? He says, do not love your life. He says, if you save it, you'll lose it. And if you lose it for my sake, you will save it. That has an impact. You know, I was talking with Jamie about in battle. You've heard me say this before. I'll say it again, just just as an illustration, that it's amazing that how so many in battle that when they, they, they don't think about their life, when they go into the fight with just like, look, I'm going, I'm going all in. I'm not gonna duck behind the trees all the time. I'm not gonna hide out and wait until the fire dissipates. I'm not gonna get lost on the battle, battlefield. No, I'm going all in. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna to, going to, going to draw up courage. I'm gonna do what I was trained to do often those men survive. It's amazing. I don't know if there's a principle there. I know there's a spiritual principle. And that is if we fight this battle head on, following Christ into this break in the line that he has created. Because, look, the, the, the break in the line that he has created is the, the break. <laughs> he has defeated darkness. Darkness. And matter of fact, it's ludicrous as, as Christians to think every, every single day to live in this fear, to live in this restraint, to live in a way that we feel like, oh, well, I'm just, I just got to hide out. Absolutely ludicrous when we think in terms of what Jesus has actually done. And if we'll just follow him in and just say, well, you know what? I'm going to leave the results up to God. Will I be a casualty in fighting for him? Well, I'd rather be a casualty fighting for him than a casualty hiding from him or following, worse yet, his enemy. Not a good idea to follow the one who's lost the war. So where is he leading us? Where is he leading us as our revolutionary leader? He's leading us into victory over darkness, my friends, and of course our eternal home eventually. But for now, He wants us to experience that abundant life I was telling you about, even in the midst of the fight. But we gotta live with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the the other. And I like this illustration coming from Ezra Nehemiah when they were building the wall. They were taught, okay, you're gonna build the wall and you've got hope of what Jerusalem is gonna once become. That there's already a miracle that has taken place and that Cyrus, king of Persia, has, has allowed us to come back. And here they are, they're restored right to almost to the exact day, 70 years later, after the Babylonian captivity, they're sent back. And so they're taught, look, build the wall, do what you're called to do, but with one trowel, but keep that sword in the other hand, because you never know when the devil is going to, the sand ballots are going to come and try to discourage you, try to tell you to stop doing what you're doing, that there is no hope. Stop following in the kingdom of God. Stop listening to the words of Jesus. Jesus, just, you know, as... I almost don't want to say this, but good Lord, help me. Let me just put it this way. When those people who have national leadership tell us, tell the church, tell Christians, stop making abortion a big issue and stop focusing so much on the family and marriage, I I just look at that and say heaven, no. But you know what I really want to say? No. Don't tell me to stop doing what my Savior called me to do. Don't try to pull the sword out of my hand. Don't try to take the trowel out of my hand and just say, sit there and be nothing. Don't try to take truth out of my hand or call me from the fight. mm I'm not going to do it. And even if it's in my last breath. See, I don't fear what man can do to me. I don't even fear what Satan can do to me. Although the Bible says, look, if you're going to fear anything, fear not this loss of your physical life, but the loss of your eternal soul. And that means living a life with that in mind all the time. So where is he leading us? Victory over darkness, my friends. The trial in one hand, building the kingdom of God, working but keeping that sword ready to fight off when the enemy comes. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those are great words when just after he says, or, or this is before, but when you think in terms of, of presenting the truth here, when, we, when you think about what Jesus said, he says, look, I haven't, I've called you guys to battle. I've called you to, there's going to be conflict when you decide to follow me. He said, just, just get ready. But then we have these words that come. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? And he says, I'm going to give you rest, even in the midst of the battle. Those are encouraging words to me. That if I follow him in, and that's, once again, it's proven out that if we seek peace, it can be so elusive. But if we follow him into the breach, knowing it's going to cost me some peace, God's going to give it to us. And that's an amazing kingdom thing. We listen to the voice of Christ. When We we embrace his words. We embrace truth, moral truth doctrinal truth, when we embrace it, even when it's not popular, even when the people closest to us, and many of us know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I know. When people along the way in your life, just like our video, they decide they're going to go a different way, and yet their loved ones, they're, they're people close to us, people that, that, that we respect, and, but yet they've chosen a different path. We've got to leave them up to Jesus. Only he can change their heart. But to change my theological belief to follow them, not a good idea. Not a good idea. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Because when we think of warfare, when we think of battle, yeah, it, it just seems overwhelming. But here Jesus is saying, look, let me do it. All I'm asking you to do is to follow me into the break in the line, into the breach. I will do all the fighting on your behalf. But you gotta be with me. You gotta follow me. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Boy, if you're like me, there are times when you said, hmm, just how big is this yoke? <laughs> and and I'm, I mean, in comparison, is this, am I thinking this is a whole lot lighter or heavier uh, because it doesn't always seem light does it when you're overwhelmed and you think of your family your children your your finances so many different things your health but if we'll give it all to him knowing that he's got our best in mind then we can live with that real peace so we have a revolutionary leader who was not only morally and divinely equipped, but he was ready to fight on our behalf. He's ready to fight. So why would we be motivated to follow this leader? Well, because he's God, he's got all power. It's because he's proven to us, he's shown us that he did not love his life even unto death and then afterward he experienced such elation, such glory. It's a pattern. It's a template for each one of us that as we give up, and there are times we're going to have to give up the things that we'd be naturally inclined to, maybe, maybe a path for a greater wealth. Maybe it's a path for greater decisions in what you think and, 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 and opportunities for your children. Maybe it is a path for your own education, whatever it might be. You know, Those are the things that we need to take to Christ and say, look, is this following you into the breach? Or is this me taking my own path, doing my own thing? For those who have done this already, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It leaves you with a leanness in your soul, a sense of separation. How did I get here? Why am I so not, I mean, where's the real joy in my life? Well, the good news is, my friend, you can change where you are right now. You can turn. And follow him at any time. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. And it's the beauty of having a relationship with Christ is that (laughs) nothing's more powerful than the right now. And we can make a decision at any point to say, you know what, I'm tired of that. I'm following him. In response to his, let's go, we've got to follow. We've got to follow. Follow. And what does that mean? That means every decision of our life. And I can go on to say, you know, who we're going to marry, who, what the decisions we're going to make in, in, in the relationships, the connections that we have, the business connections, the everything. So we've got to follow, and then we've got to fight. Look, we're going to talk about the, the, the warfare, all right? We're going to get to that. God did not purchase for us uh, uh, warfare material, armor, if you will, weapons and armor for us to just have them sitting in our home, to just hang them up on the wall and see, there you go, a display of my spiritual armor. No, it's meant to be used, it's meant to be worn, and get ready. And the last thing is that we must not falter. We cannot falter, Christians. You know, they wrote the famous hymn, Onward, Christian Soldier, because they understood this, probably greater in their time than we do now. But I got a funny feeling, prophetically speaking, that we're getting ready to understand that a whole lot more than we've ever understood it. And you can't falter, can't turn back. So next week, we're going to study our cause. Because it's one thing to fight for somebody wonderful. Wonderful. It's one thing to find somebody that says, I'm going to be loyal to that leader. I'm going to follow him into the breach. But before long, you've got to ask yourself the question, as many military uh, soldiers do. Why are we fighting again? Right? You know, in every battle, the cause, in every revolution, the cause is what gives us passion. It's the cause that makes you say, yes, this is what I am fighting for. Not just for me, but for my kids. And not just for my kids, but my grandkids. And maybe even for a nation, who knows? But for certain, we've got to understand our cause. And I'm gonna talk about that next week. Because once you understand what we're fighting for, watch out. And it's not just the things I mentioned. So much more, my friends, so much more. In other words, we're going to look at Jesus' message in more detail. Because he had something to say. He had a message. And it wasn't a popular one. And I've, I've, I've bumped up against it. But we're going to get into it in, in much more detail. And what you're going to find is that this cause is going to rescue you. This cause is going to give you great joy. It's going to give you great peace. If we'll embrace it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Mm. Amen. Let's bow our heads. If I could have our prayer teams, please come at this time. Amen. As usual, I'd like to take just a moment. If you're here today, and if you're not certain that if you died tonight, that you'd be with Christ in heaven. Let me remind you that We live in what is called the era, or the time of grace. That means the door is wide open. Jesus has sent out his his proclamation. Let all who are weary come in here. He's invited everyone to the wedding feast, but that door will not be open forever. Nothing will be checked at the door. All who say, Jesus, you're my Savior. I choose you will be saved. So, this is your chance. If you're here today and you'd like to give your life to Christ with no one looking around, just, just you and God, would you raise your hand up? Yes, sir, I see your hand. Anyone else I'd like to give your life to Christ today? Amen. Lord, we pray for this one. And, Lord, your word tells us, then, when one is saved, the angels of heaven rejoice. How much more on this day, Lord, all across this nation, and even the world, of people who are coming to you because of this wonderful message. So, Lord, for this one, right right where you are, my friend, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you are the Son of God, my Savior. You died on the cross for my sins. I receive you today. I believe. So, Lord, for the rest of us, as we go, Lord, I pray that over this coming week, God, we would draw near to you. You've already drawn near to us. Jesus, may we restore, renew our first love in every aspect. And, Lord, begin to consider at a deeper level, Lord, what are we willing to do? Are we following you into the breach? Are we taking the step? Are we ignoring what's going on in the world and moving toward the fire, the the sounds of warfare? Lord, help us. Lord, brush off the malaise. God, especially for those who've been following you for many years, Lord, may there be a renewed sense of passion to follow the one who is the ever-living lover of our soul who told us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If there's any forsaking, God, it's been us. If there's been any leaving, it's been us. Lord, may we step right back, follow you. You are our leader. You deserve it. All glory has been given to you. All power has been given to you. You have the name that is above every name, Jesus. And We love you. We thank you for what you've done for. Change your life. Lead us. Lord, we each have a battle. May we be so equipped and ready. In Jesus' name, amen.